my love for food is, you know, I couldn't see myself doing anything else, but when you're on the line and you're having a busy service, like 150 covers, you, you have one of those services and everything just hits and you fire, everyone's firing all cylinders and the, the adrenaline buzz you get from it, it's just, it's just an incredible feeling. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. In every major city across the globe, there are restaurants that reach icon status, venues that over generations have become the heart of what it means to dine out, capturing the essence of hospitality and a good meal too. How do you carry on the baton of such iconic venues that have influenced the dining scene for decades? Tom Dedman is the head chef of Bistro Moncur in Sydney. Tom, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me Anthony. You're well? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, you're currently manning the pans of a bit of an institution in Sydney. What, what did it feel like when you when you got the gig? Yeah, I was uh, very excited, I've got to say. I was, uh, I, was, I was in France at the time when I first kind of got uh, got a call up from the restaurant manager, Simon, who uh, I worked with previously. And um, yeah, he basically said the head chef had just resigned and if I was interested. And I was very, very excited. It was... Um, it's a place I've already always recognised and somewhere that obviously it's an institution that everybody knows. Um, so kind of put my own stamp on it and have a have a crack on the pans, if you were. It would be good, uh, it would be good on the resume, you know, so I, I jumped to the opportunity. What were you doing in France at the time? Uh, so my wife and I um, just, we moved back. We we're basically in France for 10 months. We, with the intention, we, uh, we left Sydney and we had the intention of... Uh, staying over in France and living there. And so when I was there, we, she lives in between, in the uh, Drone Provencal, so in between Lyon and Marseille, basically, um, in a nicer 33 hectare kind of property in the country. Um, so there I was, we worked on the farm that's kind of there. So we were looking after sheep, pigs, had a, I had a hectare garden uh, of myself, which was, uh, which is pretty incredible. So I was growing my own vegetables and got a bit in touch with uh, a bit more producing uh, product than actually being in the kitchen, you know, so it was real interesting. Um, and then from there, basically, yeah, well, that's, when, that's kind of when I got the call up, but um, it was, it was, it was meant to be a bit more uh, long term than that, but just for our son's kind of future and, um, and our future, I suppose, just kind of being a bit more financially stable, we just decided to move back to Sydney. So we've been around the world in uh, in less than, well, in 10 months. So it's, it's been a bit, a bit of a hectic uh, time for us. But yeah, it's, it's been good fun. It's been a learning curve, that's for sure. Well, it sounds a bit like the, the dream, uh, idyllic sort of situation that you had there in France. Was it hard to let go of what you were starting to build there to come back? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, it was something... Realistically, we should have been probably about 20, 25 years down the track to do that. Um, it's, it's still, I'd, I had a, I had a real strong feeling of, um, I really loved it there. But also, it was almost like when I step out the kitchen and you step away from Sydney, and it's such a busy world that you're in, to kind of completely stop everything on the brakes. It's almost like something was missing. Um, it was incredible, though. I mean, such an shutting an experience that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm longing to go back for, to be honest, but, you know, I, I think in a few years, a few years time, we can, uh, we'll probably give it another crack, but I think uh, the time in the kitchen is still, uh, still where I need to be. What sort of impact did that direct connection to produce have on your approach to cookery? Uh, well, coming back to take over from Monka now, it's something that 
is on the forefront of my mind, being uh, completely like small produce driven. I mean, going over to France, we had, uh, I was so fortunate to be surrounded by such incredible produce. I mean, not only uh, during the summer months where I was like growing vegetables, we were fortunate enough we had uh, truffle dogs as well. So we went out in the winter and we we're going out truffle hunting and yeah, it was. Uh, it's something that you know. I'm definitely going to be trying to contact more suppliers, get a bit more on the smaller kind of. I, I, I'm just doing a lot of research into whole kind of produce and market vegetables and things like that, and the growing and how how much of an impact on the environment it can make as well. As far as everybody's just buying in bulk and like, it's not really a. Um, Looking after the environment as such, uh, with uh, with produce and things, everything's just getting you know more and more demand. You know, it's, it's better to have you know, a hundred farms rather than just one big farm just with just just doing, I don't know, corn for example, you know, you need that kind of biodiversity, having lots of different things going on. Before we explore sort of your career, take us back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family? Uh, well it's always coming I come from a great family of cooks and uh, bakers from my aunts to my grandparents, uh, my mum, you know, it was always it was always uh, being coming from England it was a you know, the Sunday roast was an incredible, you know, that was the one day of the week you'd always look forward to. You'd have all the family round. It was always beautiful uh, to, to being at the table and sharing that experience. It was something that um, I loved in my childhood. And I think that's probably where it all first kind of kicked off. I mean, I always remember cooking tiramisu being one of the first things with my mum and then coming, um, you know, it's just it's one of those memories that you stick in your head. And for since I remember, I've just wanted to be in the kitchen and cook, you know. So that's kind of where it all kind of started, I suppose. Coming from a, a, a line of cooks through your, throughout your family, did you did you have a choice, but or was it compulsory to move into hospitality? Oh no, it was it was definitely my choice. But uh, they tried to deter me, if anything. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was you know sitting down. It's long hours. It's uh, it's poor pay. You know you don't get treated right. And I was like, no, I'm quite happy doing it. And um, so so then at the age of uh, thirteen, like. I was like, well, this is what I want to do. And uh, my mum was like, kind of, I'm pretty sure she was probably calling me an idiot at the age of 13. But um, she said, okay, if you want to do it, you know, you've got to be serious about it. So I sat down, I wrote a letter to like the nearest, uh, my local pub. And then I, uh, from then I handed in the letter and I started working in uh, the pot wash there. And it wasn't exactly the most gourmet kitchen, but it's definitely got me, uh, got me into the, uh, into the role and it got me excited. And as soon as I got there, I wanted to put specials on. I was making like my own soups and stuff and doing things like this, just, just to, just to try it. It real, real kind of got me excited and about cooking. So, and I wanted, yeah, I wanted to change things straight away, you know, <laughs> almost that like was my own venue, but <laughs> I was 13, but it was good fun. What were the really important people and venues uh, early on in your career that you worked with and for that helped sort of create your path? Well, there's, um, well, there's a few. Uh, when I first started working, I started went to uh, Westminster College in London and uh, I was working at a, a Michelin star called Reeds at the time. And that uh, it was a beautiful Georgian uh, manor house in Kent. Um, and there it had its own garden. It had, uh, so we like, I always remember my first time uh, when I started there full time. It was the gardener was actually away for the first two weeks, and I was on the veg section. So I had to get there an hour before everyone and go out, pick like broad beans, dig up potatoes, pull carrots. It was a, uh, I, was, I was in the shit big time for the first two weeks, but you know I just had to push on and get it done. I didn't really know, kind of had to wing it a little bit, but no, it was a real, real interesting kind of experience. Um, the one thing it kind of knocked me a bit was. Um, 
you know, you work there and obviously it's a real intense environment. It was a small brigade as well. There was only like one on each section. But there wasn't really a camaraderie in the kitchen, which kind of, uh, you know, I, I worked there and it real kind of left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth as far as hospitality goes, because nobody was really helping each other out. There wasn't really a, a bond. Um, but after that, I kind of, I kind of left Reeds and I went to, uh, I did, um, for a friend of a friend, I worked in London for um, corporate dining for a law firm. So that was, uh, as a, it was basically for a um, guy called Jim Whelans. Uh, he, he was kind of like my mentor, I suppose, my first. And as soon as he kind of got me, he, I soon understood and it's kind of my, um, my mentality in the kitchen now of just nurturing uh, young chefs and making them want to uh, work so much, so hard and just put a positive environment. That's what I was kind of lacking when I worked there before. So that was, it was a real interesting kind of, um, kind of place of work. But it was uh, interesting in another sense because money wasn't really an issue. So it was like, you know, it'll be truffles, it'll be foie gras, it'll be langoustines, you know, whatever. But it, yeah, it was a real, um, it, was a, it, was a, it was an eye opening to the hospitality and to, um, yeah, but without being in a restaurant. So I, didn't, well, I was still missing that kind of restaurant environment because there's not really a service as such. You just, you know, it's almost like you're doing boardroom kind of, um, bit of a boardroom uh, meals, but it's, it, was, it was real interesting, but just say it was it just the, the biggest thing to take away from that was the uh, the mentality that I had of positivity in the kitchen, how you can really get people going and excited rather than this whole treating you like a piece of shit, you know, and, and just, and, and not, you know, you walk through the door, you're spending 16, 17 hours a day in the kitchen and all you want to do is kind of had a good relationship with people. And yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of helped me mould myself into what I am today. How did you end up in Australia? Uh, well, I actually met my ex, who was an Aussie. She, uh, <laughs> she I, met, I met her in London, and I, I was dating her for three months, and I was literally like, oh, her visa run out, and I was like, well, I'm just going to move over, which was, uh, I was 21 at the time, I think, and it was, it was a crazy, crazy kind of thing looking back at it now, but also one of the best things I've ever done. So without even thinking, I just jumped on a plane and was like, hell, I come over, uh, got here, um, I didn't really know too much about the hospitality restaurant, uh, sorry, uh, the Australian restaurants or anything like that. So I literally just Googled top 10 restaurants in Australia, in uh, Sydney. And um, from there, I think I got three responses, which is just, is incredible when I think about it, because right now in the climate that we're in of demand for chefs, I think everyone would be reaching out for just, uh, just one resume to come through the door, you know? <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I ended up, um, the, I got a couple of battles, went to like Tetsuya's, uh, Bilson's, um, and Bacass was the one I kind of did a trial there and I really loved it there. And the kind of, um, again, it had that feel of a real kind of good uh, brigade there and everyone kind of got on with everyone. I mean, it was a real hard kitchen to work in, don't get me wrong. But um, at least, yeah, I made, I made some great friendships there and some of my best mates have come from that kitchen, you know, so it's, yeah, and plus it was just fantastic food as well. With, with, with the, was the kitchen a bit different to what you were used to in the UK? Uh, it, was, it was definitely that kind of harder kitchen. The produce was a, a lot different as well. So trying to kind of, especially the fish and things like that, trying to get my head around uh, new, you know, I was I arrived and saw like Mulloway and I was like, what the hell is Mulloway on the menu? You know, I had no idea what, <laughs> what this kind of fish was or whatever. Um, but it's, I mean, I was, I'm not scared of hard work and it was one thing that that kitchen you needed to do. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it, it, diff, it didn't really differ in, the, in such as the amount of workload that you had to do and stuff. But the, yeah, just the produce was probably the main thing that was uh, the biggest difference. 
Justin North is one of Australia's most celebrated chefs. Do you have any stories of what it was like or moments in time of working with him? I always I remember when on the first times I met him and I'd say this is the thing how little I knew about the Australian kind of uh, restaurant scene and he'd come in and he was like I'm Justin and I'm like I'm Tom nice to meet you and I was like well, who's this guy like he just come into the kitchen didn't have his chef whites on or anything and, <laughs> but um, since then I've got a good relationship with him I've watched, I've worked with him at um, Hotel Centennial there I was head chef with him um, for three years I think there but he's always had a um, it was it was a lot harder it, I think I suppose back 13 years ago it was definitely a harder kind of environment in the kitchen when we got to um the Hotel Centennial, it was more here, because I've probably got some stories to tell, but I probably shouldn't tell them about him, but he probably probably would be too keen on that in the, from the Vacast days. But the one thing I can say is that when we are at Hotel Centennial, it was about that encouragement within the kitchen, and that's one thing he kind of drilled into me about how to get young people motivated and excited about walking into work and that positivity, you know? The foundation of... Um your career has been built on French uh, technique and, and cookery. Uh, tell us a bit about that and what, um, what you what you love about it. Uh, I'll let you say it's just this. It is the foundation, you know, of kind of modern cooking as it is, and the, it, it, it's not going anywhere. Which I think, uh, you know, you, you can you can change, like uh, make tweaks on it and stuff, but you've got to respect the uh, the foundations that you work within, and you know. It, you want to kind of, from my mentality of um, within the kitchen now, you want to have those real kind of great techniques and things like that, but, you know, using just fantastic produce. So for French cuisine, just to link in with that, it, it kind of just go hand in hand, you know. You spent uh, work, time working with Justin in multiple venues, but uh, have there been other venues and people in Australia that have um, helped you forge your career here? Yeah, I mean, the... Um, well, since, what was it, after, so I've worked, uh, we did the sister sister restaurant, uh, Quarter 21 of a cast, and that was, um, I started working with uh, Michael Robinson, he's the head chef, he was the head chef for Quarter 21, and he was the sous chef at uh, Bacast, but um, he basically was the first person to properly show me how to cook meat, he's now a uh, the head butcher or the owner of um, Hungerford Meat Company in the Hunter Valley and and learning, watching that guy kind of cook meat and how he can respect and just, it's, it's, it's an absolute awe to watch. He's an incredible, talented man. And now I can see, you know, he's kind of taken a step back from the kitchen but opened up his own butcher shop just because you can tell the love that that man has for um, cooking meat and, you know, doing charcuterie and things like that. He's just got his... It's got it's got away with it, you know. It's really hard to describe, but that was someone always. It was always just an incredible person to watch and uh, to, to kind of learn from and from breaking down carcasses with him and doing things like that. It was just an incredible, incredible experience. I, I mean, I've, it was my first kind of um, say role on a grill when I was working at Quarter Twenty One, and I always remember the first day when I kind of rocked up there and we'd had a bit of a big night a couple of weeks ago when Picasso, uh closed and moved to Westfield. And it was my first role as um, a grill chef. So, and it was like, you know, you're the one the driving force is stepping into that kind of junior sous chef role. And I always remember we, I sort of rocked up the first day and we had a big night the night, a few nights before at, when Picasso closed. And me uh, not really checking anything before I started, I rocked up and we were all standing there having a team meeting beforehand. 
and he just looks down at me and he just goes, you fucking wearing two left shoes? And I had literally picked up two left shoes from my, my Berkeys that I just grabbed from the locker room and I think he just then must have been thinking, what is this guy doing? You know, he's meant to be running, running the kitchen being a driving force on the meat section while I'm about to show him and he turns up with two left shoes. But it, he's, he's, again, he's one of those people who's become a great friend. I've started using him at... Um, uh, Bistro Moncur as well, his meat and stuff, and it's just proven to be fantastic. So it's, again, one of those good relationships that you kind of get from them. Those experiences that you had with uh, with Justin and the various restaurants that he's had, how different were um, the restaurants like the Morrison and Icebergs that you spent time at as well? Uh, the Morrison, I was very, only very brief there. I kind of did an opening, and yeah, that was good. It was a... So, so very brief. I worked with Sean, and that was great kind of experience. Doing like kind of... Um, is a wood fire kind of we had there. That was the first kind of look that I got into that. Um, big uh, iceberg story was just an incredible experience. Um, Alex and Morris, both at Tasso as well, they they reached out or we once the, the dolphin. We I finished working at the dolphin. We me and my wife went on a three month kind of trip up the um, up the east coast with uh, just after COVID. So we basically had some time out and we just we, we thought you know we're not gonna get into anything just yet we we're planning on having our a baby anyway so it's like it's a good time to kind of go and have a break so we had and it's, i think it's always probably better to do i never did it kind of coming over and did the whole kind of backpacker thing so instead of going out partying and eating instant noodles we'll we'll eating dry aged steak and you know drinking bottles of red wine on a beach and it was it was it was a bit more of a different experience but i think i prefer it but um yeah so then after that we uh, we got a call from alex and basically it was like would it's my wife's front of house as well she actually used to work at bistro moncur um so we we yeah it's a bit of a family business now everyone comes around it's a, um but um we Got a, yeah, got a call from them and they like reached out and they just looked after us so much. They knew that we were gonna kind of have a kid and that. And she started working front of house at Icebergs and I was in the kitchen. And again, it had that real kind of uh, good team atmosphere. Everyone, Morris and Alex just looked after us so well. And it was a, a real interesting kind of insight, especially into uh, the Italian kind of cuisine, you know, with modern Australian kind of uh, produce and techniques and stuff. It's an incredible place and plus a beautiful venue, you know, what a, one of the most iconic uh, venues, I think. Australia has to offer this beautiful lunch spot, you know. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Bistro Moncur's got an incredible history in the dining landscape of Sydney. Um, tell us a little bit about that history and uh, are you mindful with what you do in regards to the the legacy that's there? Yeah, I mean, there's, Damien's set an incredible legacy and I mean, for it turns 30 next year. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm going to be running the uh, kind of a year, we're doing like a year's... Um, uh, part celebration, I suppose, for, for third. So we're gonna have a few of the past old chefs come back, and um, it's it's such an incredible thing for a restaurant to be still going after thirty years. There's still dishes on the menu that you know people come in day in day out for, and they they expect that to be on the menu. So it's 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 almost like it's real challenging. It's almost harder than starting up a new restaurant because you still got to honour all of this like clientele that are coming and supporting the restaurant but also you want to put your own twist on it and do so slowly but surely it'll be like chain shopping and changing dishes again using that kind of focus of uh, local produce and seasonal produce and making sure that you know not only are they getting some of the classics that will stay on the menu but also they're going to get a completely new experience which hopefully I can deliver to the customers 
French uh, bistro and French cuisine, you know, it was a real powerhouse in the in the industry in the early 2000s. And there was some wonderful waves from all different cuisines through Asia and French sort of took a step back. Um, what's it like now being sort of part of the new renaissance of the sort of French cuisine that we're seeing again? Yeah, it's definitely exciting and it's incredible just to see like the amount of restaurants now that are kind of going into um, still got that and table service seems to be a real big kind of thing that's coming back into fashion. You know, there's so many people now doing it. You've got Nick at Porcine doing it over there and um, the Charles just opened up. There's a huge table side kind of element. Um, Bistro's never going to kind of be that, have that kind of... Um, table side element there might be some some aspects we can do but i feel that you just really need to honor that kind of french tradition french uh techniques and stuff and that's how we're going to look for going forward again so you mentioned there's some dishes that have to stay on the menu but what, what's your approach to french cookery um give us some examples of some dishes and sort of where you're headed with it i mean so it's all it's all kind of uh local and sustainable kind of driven um you know it's it, can't be French. You keep some classics kind of going on. I'm working on a bouillabaisse at the moment, which you know is pretty classic as they come. But you know, just working. We're gonna got a on the menu at the moment. There's a we got a Murray cod, a Kuna farm Murray cod, just with a panisse. There's olive caper and a little verju kind of dressing, but something so 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 simple. But again, it's it's just beautiful char grilled bit of fish, and then just goes on with that little bit of smokiness to it, and it just yeah, just keeping it as little, little nods to the French. Uh, French classic as you can, like using a little panisse on there, but also using those Australian projects. That's kind of what we're aiming to do at the moment. You mentioned uh, that your um, partner worked at Bistro Monker many years ago. Has uh, she passed on any sort of tips and advice before you started the gig? Uh, well, I try, and, I try and separate the kind of work and uh, now, now we're not working together. We kind of, kind of not talk about it too much, but um, she... She basically said, you've got to look after the kind of clientele that are coming in day in and day out. And it's so true. I mean, she um, she had some fantastic relationships with all the people that worked there and also that dined there. And uh, yeah, that they're basically the they're the people that you need to look after the most. So that's something I'm really focusing on. That's all I can uh, take away from that, really. But, but, you know, at the same time, we need to push on. We need to break into another 30 years. And if we get down the track and I can have a couple of dishes on the menu that maybe won't budge and they're going to be a pain for another chef to get off the menu, it'll be good for me. You know? <laughs> it'll be a... What's it been like for you coming back into Sydney after sort of living regionally in France? Um, what's, what's surprised you about the role and your approach since that experience? Um, there's, I, I don't know, I suppose it's not too much of a big surprise because I've lived here for... 12 years already you know um i do miss a couple of times when i kind of miss just you would step out it would be like five o'clock in the morning and there's nobody around you apart from a neighbor who's about a kilometer away that's that's probably one thing that i kind of miss about it but the uh sydney i kind of think it hasn't changed too much everything just seems to have got a little bit more expensive just after covid and stuff that's probably one of the biggest things that i've noticed but um but it's it's you know it's it's a, it's a home now for me or i think me and my wife kind of knew that when we left, but maybe we didn't want to address the issue. But it's this. This is now our home. This is where we want to be. It's um, yeah. It's it's just such an incredible city. It's got a beautiful kind of melting pot of so many different 
cultures and like, flavors of food and stuff and it's something that we we both love and that's one thing we kind of miss about in france as well trying to find chili in a supermarket is like a real pain in the ass you know it's <laughs> it's, it's um yeah i mean we, we both love our spice so that's i actually planted uh 40 chili plants before i left and none of them actually come in got any fruit off so now my uh my parent my uh, mother-in-law actually cooked up what she thought were peppers and blew her brains out with some chilies over in France. So, probably, you know, I think they might, might be spoken to a little bit when I next go back, but it's all good. Um, what are you enjoying about the, the new role that you found yourself in such an uh, iconic institution? Um, there's, to, to be honest, the team is a huge factor of it. I, I, I was very um, concerned, one, not accepting a job that haven't stepped into the kitchen, haven't seen the team kind of working. I, I obviously in the restaurant and I knew what was going on, but it's kind of, you can't really go in and do a trial when you're across the other side of the world. So I was kind of going on um, what Simon kind of said and like the, um, the, the owners as well, and they'd spoken up and they're obviously not going to say, you know, it's, it's not a good kind of environment, but the team there is such a strong and incredible team. There's guys who have been there for like six plus years um, and they know it like the back of their hand. So that, to walk into that uh, environment, like it was, it was incredible. And everyone's kind of real, um, just taken to it really well. You know, I was, I was a bit concerned as well. My, um, my predecessor was there for six years himself. And so obviously come in and start changing things. I was, it, it was probably going to shock them a little. I mean, we got, I got there and I, putting on specials which wasn't really happening too much so I was putting on weekly specials I started changing the menu everyone was a bit kind of shocked first of all and now they've kind of got round to it but everyone's been full support they've got a bit of um, tweaking on some dishes to do and stuff but it's all very much positive and stuff like that so yeah I was very fortunate in that sense in the fact that I had a great team to walk into uh, Were you building something special there and I know you're just getting started what do you love about what you do? Uh, it's, the camaraderie's definitely got to be one of them. You know, I, my love for food is, you know, I've, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. But when you're on the line and you're having a busy service, like 150 covers, you, you're balls to the ball, everyone's pushing on. And you have one of those services and everything just hits and you fire, everyone's firing all cylinders and every kind of, every part of the service just hits so sweet and you finish service and the, the adrenaline buzz you get from it it's just everybody is like you know we high five them at the end of services it's just the incredible feeling and that so that's it's that camaraderie that um team kind of aspect of it that i really love you know and, and when you see put out food and you see customers being so appreciative of it and you know coming up to the past and saying thank you you know there's, it's a big uh, it's a real warm feeling inside so yeah that's pretty incredible well, uh, Tom, congrats on the gig and good luck with the 30 years celebration. Um, it's an important restaurant and it's great to hear it's thriving. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Okay, thanks a lot for that. Cheers, Anthony. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.